So I had the interesting experience this week of feeling high for the first time in like about 21 years. Awesome. You know how I told you I got my medical marijuana card. Right. And I had been doing a tincture, which is an oil you drip under your tongue. It was okay with dealing with just general anxiety, sitting around the house, you know, feeling blah. But the dosage on it was annoying because I had to hold a dropper like this and my hand this close to my face is blurry, so I can't tell what the fuck it is. Yeah, that's not fun. Yeah, I would have to wait for my wife to get home to dose me up and, you know, it helped. But I was like, it didn't impress me enough that I was willing to keep trying. Right. But then I've had this lifelong thing where every year and a half, two years, I get these episodes that last from anywhere from like a few days to like two weeks to sometimes even like a month. Right. Where I get these, I call them brain surges. It's basically, <laughs> near as I could tell, my body decides that I really need some adrenaline and anxiety all at once, Ooh. cranks to a hundred, then drops off. So I'll be like just sitting there and then my skin starts tingling and my muscles Muscles tense up. Oh, nice. And my breathing starts getting shallow. And then I start feeling like anxiety, scared, and disoriented. Whoa. It sucks donkey balls. It'll last for anywhere from seconds to about a minute. And it'll happen right. repeatedly during the day. <sighs> like the last time before this, I was working for a car rental place as a driver. I couldn't drive a car when that kicked in. And I was like, okay, I need to go on leave for a week to try and get the hold of this. And then I called them back and said, okay, I need two weeks. And by the time I got to a month, they were like, okay, well, we can't hold the position for you anymore. And it was still two weeks beyond that. Yeah. So anyways, that happened this week. And I was like, oh shit, I can't deal with this. Yeah. And so my wife and I, we started looking into stuff and I was like, you know what? Maybe I should try a different form. I don't want to smoke anything because smoking's not good for you and it's bad for your lungs. And I got enough health problems as it is. Right. But when these episodes started, I was like, fuck, I gotta try something. So I got edibles. Wow. Split it into a quarter. Right. So yesterday, my wife and I, in the morning, we had errands to run. And then in the evening, we were gonna have a date with her sister and her husband. So in the morning, I took a quarter. Order. Right. We went to Costco and it's before Christmas. So there was a tons and tons and tons of people. Oh, it would have been really busy. Yeah, it was extremely busy. And then we went to Walmart after that, which busier, if anything. And normally if I go into a place like that, I have to isolate myself as much as possible. I either have earplugs or headphones in. I look at the ground and I try to interact with the least amount of people as possible. And I'm anxious the entire time I'm there. Yeah. But this time when I went, I didn't need my headphones. I was able to have a conversation with my wife and with my kids. We even sat down because Costco has a food court. It was lunchtime. So we went and we got some pizza. I was just sitting there and looking around, checking everybody out. And it was about that time that I realized this is really, what the fuck's going on here? This is not you. This is something completely different. I could still feel a little bit of anxiety, but I could let it go. Oh, that's so wonderful. Yeah. And then I came home and then probably about six hours later, it was time for us to go on our date with my sister-in-law and her husband. So I took some more and I got there and it was this Italian restaurant that was was packed. It was the winter formal dance for one of the high schools. Uh, so there were a fuck ton of teenagers in there, which so busy. I don't like teenagers. No. Very busy, very loud. And I was fine holding conversations, listening to conversations. I was able to not get overwhelmed by the options on the menu. I got distracted. My wife had to remind me a couple times to look back at the menu, but <laughs> 
But the funny thing was, is I must still had some THC in my system because as dinner went on, I was like, I was kind of really mellow and looking around and my wife, she's like, are you okay? I was like, yeah, I'm high. Yeah, I'm good. And, you know, I remember now why I used to smoke pot so much because yeah. really just makes it so I can deal with life. I think I've definitely found something to help me deal with high stress situations where normally I'm a wreck. That'll be nice. Right. That's so wonderful. Hell, I'm even tempted to next time there's a tons of people on an episode, I'll do an experimentation, take some before I, and then I'll log on and see how that goes for me. Please do. Yeah, I might not actually say much. It's okay. Because, you know, I could converse, but then I also don't feel like I need to converse. <laughs> Growing up in the Mormon church in the 80s, for years and years and years, psychiatrists were regarded as snake oil salesmen and that they were trying to come up with a worldly solution to a spiritual problem. Right. And here in Utah, that persisted well into, fuck, I willing to bet there are still people who believe that. Were they considered being affected by demons? Is that what mental illness was considered? Mental health issues were a spiritual problem and they would be solved by following covenant path. The teaching was that folks like that had not been valiant in the pre-existent so they were given less than perfect bodies to go through life. The same thing they said about folks that were born you know black. <sighs> that changed by the 80s and the pendulum swung the other way. The messaging for people with mental handicaps was that they were special spirits who had proven themselves in the pre-existence and didn't need to go through all the trials and tribulations here on earth and didn't have to go through all the steps. Neither of their arguments made sense. <laughs> no. Alright, so Mosiah 10, I was doing a little bit of research on Zenith, right? Because at the end of this chapter something really odd happens. He says that he's becoming old. He dies and he gives his kingship onto someone else. But I just don't believe that he was that old because the first time we hear about him is in Mosiah 7. Mm -hmm. And you don't get much information about him there. This is in the future, Zenith is referred to, or the present day, or whatever you want to call it. Right. Yeah, Limhi is telling the story of what happened when Zenith and his people came to the land of Lehi-Nephi. Right, right. So we're left piecing it together. We think that he might have been one of the mighty men in tights mm -hmm. that went off into the wilderness. Right, yes. Zenith was part of the group that went to the land of Lehi-Nephi with the plan to spy and to possibly kill the Lamanites so that they could come back and retake over the land of their inheritance, the land where Lehi landed at. Right. And then he went in and he saw good in the people and said we shouldn't kill them and they had a fight. Everybody murdered each other except for 16 people and then they went back to Zarahemla and then a couple of years later, Zenith put together another group and they went out there. Understanding, of course, that the salt bullshit and it didn't happen, but yeah, that's what the story is. You were saying that Zenith wouldn't seem that old, but do remember that the average life expectancy of a man in the 40s was somewhere between 36 to 40. So, back then, it wasn't unreasonable for him to die at that age. Although, then this is another thing. When you're taking average life expectancy, you take the death age of everybody. And mm. back then, there were a whole lot of people dying in infancy, childbirth, early childhood. That really jacks the numbers down. Right, it would have skewed it. Yeah, so your average adult would have been older than that. They wouldn't have all been dying at that age. Right. But... 
Yeah, it's like, it's people like life expectancy was 35 in ancient Greece. Well, okay, yeah, but that doesn't mean everybody croaked at 35. It's just the middle of the chart. That's all that means. So if he was 20 when that first band went out from Zarahamla, I reckon it wouldn't have taken that long to be in the wilderness for them to be spying it out and then fighting each other. So let's say that by the time he goes back to Zarahamla and then he's back in the wilderness again, maybe he's 24 or something. Sure. And then he makes some deal with whoever the Lamanite king is. Mm-hmm. They then have good times. It was the 30th year when a numerous host of Lamanites came upon them and began to slaughter them. So the 30th year of his reign in the land of Nephi, which if we go with him being 25, he would be in his mid-50s. Still not very old. So old. Oh, I better give it to my son. Yeah. (laughs) It's all made up bullshit. Yes, it is. Logic does not figure into it. No, it's not going to help us. But I'm going to point out the inconsistencies, James, because that's my job. Right. And boy, howdy, there's a lot of them to do that with. That's right. This book is just fodder for it. If only people would read the book with an open mind, they would just see the flaws mm-hmm. instead of just going, oh, no, that's that's this, that's this. Or even if they just put them on the shelf, by the time they got to the end of the book, their shelf would be so fucking heavy, it would have ripped itself off the wall. That's why missionaries are trained to seek out people that are under distress so that they don't logically think about it. The missionaries steer the people in the direction that they're supposed to feel emotionally and then the people take that suggestion and actually subliminally they're inclined to think that way and then they do and then they take this confirmation and then they join the church and then within a year or two they realize this is all bullshit and they leave the church and the church still claims that those people are members of the church. That's right. Or they are born and raised in this bullshit that is training them from the cradle to feel this way about this stuff and they are literally molded by that and then they stay in it until something happens and they're like oh wow this is all bullshit and then they leave the church that's why membership numbers of the church are crashing because people are realizing more and more this is absolute bullshit the internet is right there it shows you what's actually going on here that's right. The ex-Mormon Reddit is larger than the real Mormon Reddit. <laughs> I, yeah, I think it's up to like two or three times as big. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I heard that Herschel Walker lost his race after the re-vote or whatever it was. Thank non-existent baby Jesus. But what's fucked up is he only lost by two points. Uh, what the fuck, people? This man was literally walking advertisement about why football is so dangerous <laughs> because it makes your brain mush and right. still he <laughs> lost by two percent it gives you hope well it gives me two percent hope two percent hope it's like a product you can buy in the milk aisle exactly <laughs> which does not mean two percent of that product is milk fats it means two percent <laughs> of milk fat that is present in whole milk is still in it of the whole volume it's something like half a percent or something like that so there's no hope is what you're saying. Hey, we're all doomed. We're all fucked. Might as well just throw in the towel now. Oh, well. Um, all right. I've got a few things I want to say about this whole chapter um, as we go through, but you go take the first three and I'll bring it up as they come. All right. Will do. Oh, and don't forget the prelude. Okay. That's, of course, extremely important part. It gives so much context to this bullshit. All right. Chapter 10. King Laman dies. His people are wild and ferocious and believe in false traditions. 
Zenith, and his people prevail against them about 187 to 160 BC. <laughs> Roddy, eh? And away we go. And it came to pass that we again began to establish the kingdom, and we again began to possess the land in peace. And I caused that there should be weapons of war made of every kind, that thereby I might have weapons for my people against the time the Lamanites should come up again to war against my people. And I set guards round about the land, that the Lamanites might not come upon us again unawares and destroy us. And thus I did guard my people and my flocks, and keep them from falling into the hands of our enemies. And it came to pass that we did inherit the land of our father for many years, yea, for the space of twenty and two years. Would you call that many years, twenty and two? Well, when I was in my twenties, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I was the age that Joseph Smith was when he came up with this bullshit, yeah, at almost 45, not that much. Hell, my wife and I are going to be married for 20 years here in, you know, six months. It's not that long. No, it goes by in an instant. By saying 20 and two years, the way he said that, it was so weird. It just makes me think that he got halfway through the breath and thought, oh, shit. I think I've made that too short. Um, 20 and 2. <laughs> and then he realized, oh, shit, I sort of made that too short too. Oh, fuck, I'm going to have to just go with this now. Verse 4. And I did cause that the men should till the ground and raise all manner of grain and all manner of fruit of every kind. Yeah, right. And I did cause that the women should spin and toil and work and work. Wow, and work and work, all manner of fine linen, yea, and cloth of every kind. Thus we did have continual peace in the land for the space of 20 and 2 years. Oh, he says it again. He doubles down on the 20 and 2 years. Yeah, he's like, well, I gotta commit. I gotta commit. Oh, you gotta love the sexism in that verse too. Right, the men are like, they're doing manly, and the women are making clothes. Right, and work, and work all manner of fine linen. <laughs> What the fuck? Yep. I don't think I noticed that the first time I read it, but what the fuck, Joseph? Yeah, he stumbled over his words, but he had told the scribe that he didn't make mistakes and that this was the way it was. So he had to go, yeah, that's right. Continue on. Yes, I sound like an ass, but it's not me. It's Zenith, who sounds like an ass. Yeah. Now, what I want to know is where are they getting all this fine linen from all of a sudden? And what are they actually spinning? Like, he's not talking about cotton crops. What is he spinning? Wool. Yeah, in real life, there weren't sheep in the Americas, so that's out. No, I mean, there weren't domesticated sheep, but there certainly were wild sheep and like things that we call mountain goats, which are actually a type of sheep. Okay. But as far as domesticated, those were introduced by the Europeans when they came here. Now, do they have a wool that you can spin, those mountain rugged sheep? I have no idea. Let me put it this way. I could spin mouse's fur if I wanted to, <laughs> and if I had the equipment to do it, that doesn't mean I'm going to. I don't know if you could, James. I think that some stuff just doesn't spin. No, I belong to Akbash Owners page on Facebook and people are on there look at this handbag I made out of Thor's fur and ooh look at this sweater I made out of Beelzebub fuckface's fur. People do it. They actually fucking do it. So. Really? I've never heard of that. That's crazy. That's amazing actually. I wonder how they do it. It's a lot of work I'm sure. But. Fair enough. Okay. So I'm sure you could do that with mountain goats fur but you have to go catch the dumb fuckers first and then you have to shear them and they're wild animals so I don't see that happening. No. 
verse 6. And it came to pass that King Laman died. Yay! And his son began to reign in his stead. And he began to stir his people up in rebellion against my people. Therefore, they began to prepare for war and to come up to battle against my people. He began to stir up his people in rebellion against my people. You weren't ruling his people. You were guests in his land. Right. It's not a rebellion. That's right. Words have meaning meaning, Joseph. They do. Rebellion's not the word you wanted to use. Yeah, that's right. Zenith was not the king of the Lamanites. They just had a peace, that's all. Mm-hmm, exactly. In fact, really, King Laman was still their king in a lot of ways because it was only by his permission that he let them have the land, I think. Exactly. He came to an agreement with them and they allowed them into the land. So they're not rebelling against you, Zenith. They are annoyed at you and they are coming to kick your ass. But it's not a rebellion. Now, from this moment on in the chapter... Joseph starts using an inordinate amount of personal pronouns. Just keep that in mind as we go forward because Mm -hmm. he starts using all variations of the word they, like their, them, they, etc. And you start to really get lost. And then when you mix into that his and he and whatever, it's just like, who the fuck are we talking about? And it's just really shitty writing. It really is just so poor. Yes, it is. And it all started with rebellion years the wrong way. All right. There you go. Y'all go. Okay. Verse seven. But I had sent my spies out round about the land of Shemlon, that I might discover their preparations, that I might guard against them, that they might not come upon my people and destroy them. And it came to pass that they came up upon the north of the land of Shilom with their numerous hosts, men armed with bows and with arrows and with swords and with scimitars and with (laughs) stones and with slings. And they had their heads shaved that they were naked and they were girded with a leather girdle about their loins. Okay. A leathern girdle. It wasn't just a leather one. It was a leathern girdle. Oh, no, you're right. (laughs) But that just makes it sound more stupid. A leathern girdle. <laughs> yes, it does sound stupid. Okay, verse 9. And it came to pass that I caused that the women and children of my people should be hid in the wilderness. And I also caused that all my old men that could bear arms and also all my young men that were able to bear arms should gather themselves together to go battle against the Lamanites. And I did place them in their ranks, every man according to his age. Where are these old men coming from? I mean, they can't be any older than him. He would be the oldest of the men. I have no idea. Right? Neither does Joseph. Neither does Joseph. Neither does anybody. It just sounds good. Max is 60, probably less. Right. Well, I'm thinking more like 54. The other thing here is we just heard Joseph invent a new word. That Shemlom that he mentioned in verse 7, that is the first time we hear that word in the Book of Mormon. Is it? Shabla. <laughs> yeah. The land of Shemlon. He's got other words that are similar, but... Yep. Yes, you're right. That's the first one. He's just pulling out words that just... He's doing his glossolalia. There's no Jewish city from the Bible named Shemlon. It's just something he pulled out of his ass. I've never heard of one, but you know what? It's so easy to check. I got the King James Version here. Let me just load that up and I will tell you. Let's type in... I got all of this in Visual Studio Code. Control F. Shemlon. There's Shem, but there's not Shemlon. 
Yeah. Well, in, in doing a search, Shemlon is the last name of numerous people. Numerous Mormons. It looks like it may possibly be a Jewish last name, but like... And then, of course, then I see an African-American here with the last name of Shemlon. So it's probably a name he heard somewhere and decided he was going to name his city after it. It sounds like a poison drink like Hemlock. <laughs> yeah, probably. So... Ten. That's right, first ten. And it came to pass that we did go up to battle against the Lamanites and I, even I, in my old age, bullshit, old age of 54, did go up to battle against the Lamanites and it came to pass that we did go up in the strength of the Lord to battle. Now the Lamanites knew nothing concerning the Lord, nor the strength of the Lord. Therefore, they depended upon their own strength. Yet they were a strong people as to the strength of men. <laughs> oh dear. Verse 12. They were a wild and ferocious and a bloodthirsty people. Oh, this is leaning into the whole savagery thing, isn't it? Believing in the tradition of their fathers, which is this. Believing that they were driven out of the land of Jerusalem because of the iniquities of their fathers and that they were wronged in the wilderness by their brethren and they were also wronged while crossing the sea. All right, this is where it starts to get really murky with the theys. At the beginning of 12 there, they were a wild and ferocious and bloodthirsty people. So he's talking about the Lamanites there. The current batch of Lamanites. That's right, the current batch of Lamanites. Um, and then he goes on saying, believing in the tradition of their fathers. So yes, still the current batch of Lamanites with the there, which is this believing that they were driven out of the land of Jerusalem. Laban and Lemuel and the sons of Ishmael, their forefathers, they believed that they were driven out of the city of Jerusalem. So that's that they. And then it goes on. We haven't finished with the they's. Believing that they, being their forefathers in this particular case, were driven out of the land of Jerusalem. So he goes way back to that old story because of the iniquities of their fathers. So there still means Laman and Lemuel, but the father's part is talking about, well, even before Lehi, because the iniquities of their fathers. I guess you could consider it that way, but I think that that, when they're talking about their fathers, they're talking about the two fathers, Lehi and Ishmael. But who the fuck knows? Yeah. My point is, and there's still more theys and theirs, and they're still, I think, in the same sentence, and we're supposed to understand all of this when they're saying different things. It's really just poor writing. Oh, yeah. It gets very dense. If you're listening along, you just listen for those theys, and as you get confused about who exactly is talking about what, just remember, this is all horseshit. It's all bullshit, and it doesn't matter. All right. Over to you, Jones. All right. And again, that they were wronged while in the land of their first inheritance. And after they had crossed the seas and all this because that Nephi was more faithful in keeping the commandments of the Lord. Therefore, he was favored of the Lord. For the Lord heard his prayers and answered them. And he took the lead of their journey in the wilderness. And his brethren were wroth with him because they 
understood not the dealings of the Lord. They were also wroth with him upon the waters because they hardened their hearts against the Lord. And again, they were wroth with him when they had arrived in the promised land because they said that he had taken the ruling of the people out of their hands and they sought to kill him. So, who is him? Nephi. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is all referring to Laman and Lemuel's feelings against Nephi. Just replace they with Laman and Lemuel. And his brethren were wroth with him, because Laman and Lemuel understood not the dealings of the Lord. Laman and Lemuel were also wroth with him upon the waters, because Laman and Lemuel hardened their hearts against the Lord. And again, Laman and Lemuel were wroth with him when Laman and Lemuel had arrived in the promised land, because Laman and Lemuel said, yeah. So, that's the I see your point. Well, thanks for explaining that, Jones. Mm -hmm. All right, verse 16. And again, they were wroth with him. It sounds like we're reading the same thing. Because he departed into the wilderness as the Lord had commanded him and took the records which were engraven on the plates of brass and they said that he robbed them. As soon as I read plates of brass a few days ago when I was reading this, I'm thinking, ah, shit. Now he's bringing up the plates again, of which no one can keep track of which plates are which that he's talking about. And I kind of wonder if that's intentional. I mean, I know that there are people who do keep track of it, but to me, someone who reads this book every week, I'm still fucking confused. And I can only imagine genuine Mormons. They must all be confused, but think that they're not. I think that they aren't confused because they don't think that deeply about it. I think they're just like, okay, plates of brass. Well, that means scriptures. These particular plates of brass that he's referring to are the plates that poor Laban lost his head over. Right, yeah. That Nephi, Laban, Lemuel, and Sam went back to Jerusalem to recover from Laban. He wouldn't give them to him, so the Lord had him go and chop his head off so that the people wouldn't dwindle in unbelief. But, spoilers, they're going to do that anyway. So why did Laban have to die? When you see plates of brass, that's generally what that is referring to. All right, I'll keep going. Verse 17, and thus they have taught their children that they should hate them and that they should murder them. So there we've got they and them referring to two different groups of people. That's right, yes. (laughs) And that they should rob and plunder them and do all they could to destroy them. Therefore, they have an eternal hatred towards the children of Nephi. Verse 18, For this very cause has King Laman by his cunning and lying craftiness and his fair promises deceived me. Fair promises, wow. That I have brought this my people up into this land that they may destroy them. Once again, he's using they and them to mean two different people. In fact, he really should say they should destroy us because isn't Zenith the one that's talking? He's putting himself above as the leader, so he's not part of these people. It's the royal them. Yeah. Yeah, But still, I think that's poorly written. It should say us. Yes, he really should have had an editor, but every word as written down by the scribes 
message was from God, and that's why there have been over a thousand changes made to the Book of Mormon since it was first printed. Because <laughs> God did a bad job the first time. <laughs> Isn't that always the case? <laughs> and that verse ends, yay, and we have suffered these many years in the land and suffered reading this fucking book. Yes, exactly. He says many years in the land. Yeah, okay, so how many years have you suffered in the land? 22 that you were king of. 22 plus 8, because you said like it was actually in the 30th year that they finally did the war, which puts him at about 54. Anyway. The age of made up. The age of boredom. There's four verses left, so I'll just, I'll finish it out. Crush him, Jones. Go for it. Verse 19. And now I, Zenith, after having told all these things unto my people concerning the Lamanites, I did stimulate them. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I did stimulate them to go to battle with their might, putting their trust <laughs> in the Lord. Therefore, we did contend with them face to face. And it came to pass that we did drive them again out of our land, and we slew them with a great slaughter, even so many that we did not number them. And it came to pass that we returned again to our own land, and my people again began to tend their flocks and to till their ground. And now I, being old, did confer the kingdom upon one of my sons. Therefore, I say no more. And may the Lord bless my people. Amen. And thus he dies. What a bunch of crap. <laughs> he didn't count how many people they killed. And yet somehow he knows no. that he slew them with a great slaughter. Mm -hmm. uh, how does he know if he didn't count them or at least keep a rough guess? And just really going off the chain with all of the personal pronouns. And mm -hmm. at the end there, he gets so general. He's just sort of saying, oh, and this happened. And he just doesn't want to get into specifics, I think. And he doesn't even say who he conferred his kingdom onto. It's just onto one of my sons. Yeah, which he tells us in the next chapter who he conferred it on. Right, but not straight away. And the weirdest thing is that he already knew who this was going to be because back in chapter 7, verse 9... He says King Noah, yeah. So... I have a theory. Uh-huh. Fanny was waiting in the barn. Uh-huh. And he wanted to get this shit over with so he could go out in the barn and have a nasty affair. Right, 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 right. I pulled that out of my ass. I have no you know, context for that. But hey, it sounds plausible, right? It's like... I don't have any proof that it's true, but I just know that it is. Exactly. <laughs> the Spirit has spoken to you and told you that the reason this is such a stupid mess and ends abruptly is because he wanted to go fuck Fanny Alger in the barn. Or any one of his other wives. I tell you who it wasn't, though. Emma. It definitely wasn't his first wife. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not. Well, wasn't that just horrible? Yes. It sucked donkey balls per usual, so staying in the pattern that we have become accustomed Alright. I love that when you said that he was getting ready for war back in verse 8. They had swords and... Shimitars. And stones and slings. Yeah. What a weapon. I mean, he does the same thing with bows and arrows. He says the weapon and its ammunition. <laughs> I've got to list everything. And they had loincloths to cover their genitalia. <laughs> he tries to make them sound savage by saying their heads were shaved, but... Why? I take offense to that. Exactly. Shaving your head is just so standard. There's nothing savage about it. This is what you do if you have baldness. You shave it and look good. <laughs> Maybe the civilized thing was to wear a wig. Right. <laughs> I mean, here's where it comes from. There were, and I'm sure still are, but at the time, there were Native American tribes where it was tradition for 
the warriors to shave part of their head, you know, to have like, mm. you know, the sides shave it. Or you've heard of a mohawk. Right. It comes from the mohawk tribe. All right. I don't think I've ever thought of that before. He saw people that he considered to be savages with their heads shaved. And so he just associated that with it. His words will not age well. They have not. And that's why the Mormon church is always at least 40 years behind the times with everything. Because they are following a book that was written by a bigot. Yeah. Well, Jones, thanks so much for reading this frustrating horseshit with me. Of course. And one day we'll get through it and then we'll have to think about some other things to do with our lives. Oh, dear God. What other fulfilling thing to match this level? What other things can I do? Possibly punch myself in the scrotum. I think that'll be just as fulfilling. I want to make a vegan competition cooking show. I'm willing to guarantee there's already one or two or seven of those, but I've not seen one, so go for it. Have fun. There is one on Amazon Prime called Peeled. I started to watch it, but I didn't get through the first episode. I just wasn't very excited, but I will finish it at some point. All right, Jones, well, I'll let you get back to your wife. Nice talking to you, and hopefully I'll see you in a couple of days if you're up to it. Good luck with it all. Okay, cool. We'll talk to you later, patients. See you later. Bye. Bye.